Hey, this is Nicole C. Mullen, and you're on Faith's Edge with Joe Taylor. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, talk about it, say so, talk, talk about it. While we're in this life, while this time goes on, we want to do the most we can for the kingdom of God. So at the end of the day, we have the greatest return of our time, our talent, our energy for the kingdom. Nicole, we're going to do just that today. Talk about it. Thank you, Nicole C. Mullen, for your introduction. I love the music of Nicole C. Mullen. That music has been an important part of our lives here at the Taylor household. And I just love Nicole C. Mullen. And I love her music. You can hear my conversation with Nicole at onfaithsedge.com slash 102. That's onfaithsedge.com slash 102. You're going to love that conversation. Well, hello. Welcome to the 127th episode of On Faith's Edge. My name is Joe Taylor, recovering atheist and your servant in Jesus Christ. This is your place to hear conversations about God and living a life of faith in Jesus Christ. I am so excited to bring you the debut album of the Cashmans, Jonathan and Brittany. This is one exciting couple, and they are excitable. They are pumped up and ready to bring you their music. Jonathan and Brittany Cashman are a husband and wife duo who travel full-time across America and internationally with their music and speaking ministry. Their mission is to provide an authentic worship experience and to assist the local church in building discipleship-based small groups. Together, Jonathan and Brittany have written and recorded many worship and contemporary Christian albums, including this latest project, City of God, with Grammy and Dove Award-winning producers Ian Eskellen and Barry Weeks. Jonathan and Brittany talk about the incredible life-changing moment of singing with thousands of children in the Bahamas, their eclectic sound and how they mix rock, dance, and worship music, and how the dramatic death of a friend led to a turning point and ultimately to Jesus Christ. Let's jump right into the City of God. What can the Cashman fans expect from this new project? City of God is an album that we really delved into the co-write um, with uh, Grammy Award-winning producer Ian Eskelin, and uh, we did a bunch of co-writes here in Nashville with some amazing people. And then Brittany and I both have our own stuff that we just personally wrote. So it's a it's a uh, it's an AC album. It's um, it's it's basically kind of pop. It's a little bit folk. It's a little bit of uh, uh, of worship, and so. Um, it's a little bit of everything for everybody. But yeah, so that's a little bit about it. You want to say something? We're just really excited about this album. Um, you know, we poured our heart into it, of course, through the songs and and uh, the recording. And so we're just excited for, for people to hear it. What an eclectic mix of music. Eclectic is actually a byword around here. You know, you're told all the time, like, you know, you don't <laughs> want to be eclectic because then, you know, nobody knows what you are. But I feel like there's so many different genres that I relate to. I mean, my music collection is pretty eclectic. Um, so I don't listen to just one style. And we both, Brittany and I both come from uh, various and different influences. So our music is going to be a little bit kind of in different directions. We don't mind that. I don't feel like it's a byword at all. I think in general, to describe the the genre of the album, I would say it's it's Christian contemporary. Um, it was definitely orchestrated with that feel in mind and produced by some amazing producers here that do that. And, and like Jonathan said, he comes from more of a kind of classic rock background. And, you know, he's going to infuse a little bit of that and a little bit of like 
you know, some modern folk sensibilities and rootsy stuff. And I have more of a, a worship, uh, I don't know, a bone in me when I'm writing. And so that's going to come through a lot too. And there's a little pop. So I guess it's like a happy marriage of that. <laughs> yeah. It's like Striper meets no, Bob Dylan meets Amy Grant meets Adele. No way. That's <laughs> That's horrible. Don't say that. We don't mind that. Jonathan and Brittany and I were just talking about uh, Michael Sweet and Striper. Jonathan's a Striper fan from way back, as as you guys know, I am as well. Seriously, what were some of your influences? Uh, when I first started playing the guitar, I started gravitating towards like hard rock, heavy metal. And so influences like Guns N' Roses and Motley Crue and Striper was right in there. You know, they were Christian, they were overt and you know, that's the only exposure. I'm from the Northeast, and so we don't get too much exposure to Christian music, especially back in those days. And so that was my only exposure to Christian music. But love those dudes. But then as I kind of went through high school and all, I got into a band, and we were trying to be the Beatles. Songwriting became everything. I had a bass player who was, he was like Paul McCartney, and I was John Lennon. And we were trying to craft, you know, more of the songwriting type uh, songs. After coming to Christ, I should say, uh, my influence has definitely changed and started getting more into worship and writing and writing songs for the Lord. And when I met Brittany, her her gears are are always turning towards towards worship, towards pop. So our combination is a little bit fun. I came to Christ at 13. Having been exposed to music earlier than that, I was playing instruments as a teenager. I just started directing that to the Lord through worship. I think that's kind of just the core of, of my writing. It's what kind of flows naturally out of me the most. So there's definitely a lot of that on the album. It's it's kind of an interesting blend. I think we've been playing together long enough now that it's our own sound, which we're, we're happy with. Somewhere in the veins of Christian contemporary and a little bit of some other teasing aspects. Well, you guys travel a lot, 150 plus days on the road. Yes. Yeah. And you got a brand new little one. Yes, yes we do. We do. Congrats. Yes, so we don't do 150 dates a year this like year. we used to yeah this year <laughs> right this year for the past four years we were doing uh somewhere in that ballpark ballpark but yeah this year we uh we slowed down our travels quite a bit to have the baby of course we're kind of ramping up again now uh to go on the road again pretty heavy so she's been amazing an amazing blessing and, and, a, and a game changer for sure <laughs> how are you going to make that balance from uh couples on the road to a family on the road having help is big you know, we have a helps kind of all over the place wherever we go. Uh, being off the road has afforded us some time to do some house cleaning, but also to do a lot of writing. So last year we've been writing and writing and writing uh, for a new album coming out um, later on this year. And uh, that one's called Burn. And so we're getting kind of set up for that one. But City of God, we have been just dying to pull the trigger on. This has been a long time coming for us. There's a... Uh pretty significant video associate this project as well based on the city of god's song we had a great time filming that video uh, it was filmed in colorado in beautiful garden of the gods national park one of our favorite national parks and uh, also cripple creek in colorado it was great we had a uh, stephen morgan from studio town who filmed and produced and directed it and I, th I think what was most special about this video in particular is that because of the message of the song City of God, it's really geared towards discipleship. The whole song is, you know, we will go to the world he so loves. The, the purpose in writing this song was to really just encourage the church and the body of Christ in, in the work that they're doing. 
something that's been really significant to us, you know, as ministers, we travel all over. We've been able to not only, you know, minister through music, but we've also, and, and speaking and whatnot, but we've been exposed to so many amazing pastors, churches, ministries, you know, throughout the globe. When we thought about this song, bringing it to life through a video, we thought, well, it would be really neat to just kind of showcase just a little bit of some quick clips from our travels, from the road, and just to identify with with the viewer that this is what it means, you know, to build the city of God and and uh, hopefully honor and encourage uh, some amazing churches and pastors out there. Do you guys like being in front of the camera? Uh, sometimes, sometimes not. <laughs> <laughs> Brittany has a better time with it than I do. No, I better time i'm just yeah it depends <laughs> <laughs> it's not easy work being in front of the camera and it's a whole different world than just being almost anonymous in front of a audio only project yeah that's it that's right, right. You, know, you don't have to worry about you know what's on your face or what's dripping <laughs> yeah. or you know what i mean right. no yeah you kind of just have to block it out <laughs> yeah yeah it's fun it's nice being a couple because you know Brittany and i do our thing and we know each other really well and so we just kind of get into our groove and forget that there's a camera in their face <laughs> I try. the energy and the relationship between you two is is obvious how do you keep that energy up on the road how do you keep the energy up with the various projects that you're going through well i honestly it is the lord you know um we were called around the same time it both we didn't know one another but uh, we were both saved around the same time and I was in a band. My guitar player came to Christ and blew all our, all our hopes and dreams of becoming rich and famous. Mm-hmm. And he, he'd just kind of come to our band practice and tell us about Jesus. And he'd bring Jesus into our, you know, our conversations all the time. And, and obviously something happened to him. And, you know, I just couldn't shake, you know, what we were talking about. He'd tell us about the gospel and the love of God. And, and I could see there was a change in him. And that's what kind of got me, you know, thinking maybe there's something to this. So I said, hey, look, I'll go to church with you. And in Rhode Island, if uh, which is where I'm from, is if you're not uh, Catholic, then you're probably in a cult. So when I went to church with him the next day, after a gig we played the night before, I definitely thought he was in a cult because there's a small little New England Assemblies of God church. I was not like Catholic church like I remembered. It was loud and raising their hands and shouting and singing their songs that I never heard to Jesus. And it was wild and so as i'm looking for the exit the lord get a hold of me i just started weeping and as i sat there trying to hide you know in my sleeve i i distinctly heard him tell me you'll write songs for me now and that's what changed everything in my life and that that i didn't know what that meant because it was overwhelming i didn't like the music i was listening to and like i told you earlier the only influence i had in christian music was striper up to that point i had no idea what that meant and I soon figured it out. And through discipleship, you know, um, my guitar player and his wife, they sat with me every night and, you know, coached me through the word and coached me in, in, in my life, you know, helped me to make these big decisions. Cause, and I wasn't just going to kind of swallow everything I heard. So I was giving them, you know, all these questions and what about that and this, and they helped me through it. You know, all my friends took off, but that was all right. And the first thing ever came to me was this little song that was ended up becoming a 40 song musical. And we use that thing to evangelize our community. And, and I realized the power of, of changing lives, you know, and the more people I saw impacted by the Holy Spirit and by what God was doing through our ministry, which somehow formed, 
I realize this isn't, I don't want to ever do anything else in my life. You know, we want to dedicate our hearts and lives to the kingdom of God and seeing souls saved and seeing lives changed for the gospel. I think that's just always stuck. And I would, if I could speak for Brittany too, I, I think that was her early beginnings too. It's when she got saved, we we're both radical, you know, and, and I think coming from the Northeast, you gotta be because it's pretty tough, mm. pretty tough up there, you know? So she was seeing her friends saved and she was involved with her school and, I, I think that the both of us sort of grew up really wanting to, to dedicate our lives and see the kingdom furthered. And that's why we called the album City of God, see the city of God built. And I think that that focus keeps us going on the road, you know, because if it's just left to us, we'd probably get tired and burnt out and bored and do something else and get a normal job <laughs> like a sane person. Uh. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a call. We get asked a lot of times, especially you know, teenagers or whatever, that, you know, what's it like being on the road? And there's kind of this glamour, I think, that's associated with being, you know, this like big touring musician or something. And while there's there's definitely some fun aspects to it and adventure and all that, it really is a call and it's not all glamorous. And it's definitely something I think if you're not called, you, you shouldn't do it. <laughs> um, but we just feel we feel burdened in our hearts, you know, to get yeah. this message out. We we love what we do, and that really keeps us going. We love being able to interact with people, being able to pray with people, being able to share our testimonies and, you know, um, share these songs and share the music and see it impact people. And, you know, traveling's fun, too. <laughs> it's really the ministry of what we're doing that keeps us going. Something that you don't expect to see on a Christian album is a dance mix <laughs> or two. Tell us about these songs electric dance mix songs are just pure energy and it's just yes super fun i mean come on a lot of the songs go along with this idea of discipleship and the great commission like that's been the message that's been burdened in our hearts we wrote a book called go which kind of takes our experiences we write with another uh person another guy named uh, dr andrew Sargent, who's a brilliant theologian and we kind of put our our heads together for about about a year and a half writing this book on the great commission because we're both products of, of personal discipleship and we really want to see the church getting more involved and more focused on just making disciples city of god the songs lend to that and a dance mix it's like take taking this thought this idea and setting it on fire to us i, I think it's just it's just really fun and you know i think these topics and these themes are, are meant to encourage church into the great commission because we need encouragement you know it's daunting it's intimidating at times and I, if asked like who are your disciples because we're all supposed to have some right we can come up short and feel guilty and all that stuff so i think we need to encourage and infuse some excitement back into the believer to say look you can do it you can go into the world you can make disciples god can use your testimony god wants to use your changed life to change others with the songs it can become something that's introspective and it can also become something that's just fun and exciting because let's face it, we need some of that. So I think that was what was behind some of those. Yeah. And I do just want to give a little credit to uh, the awesome producer that, that did those for us. His name is Austin Cannon and he just really did a great job with the, with the yeah, ADMs. So uh, we were happy to kind of bring him onto the project towards the end there uh, to throw those two songs on. You wrote most of the music on this project, right? We yes. did. Oh, yeah. yeah. You did one cover? One cover, yeah. We were playing that song live because it matches with sort of my testimony. The song is about um, Mephibosheth, who was uh, the, the, the grandson of King Saul. So when King David took the throne, he asked the question, 
is there anyone in the house of Saul that I could show favor to? And they looked into it and they found that Saul had a grandson named Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan. I would say his mom didn't like him too much because he named him, she named him Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth. <laughs> kind of name is that? Not a name you find in a baby book. But also she dropped him. Well, he was dropped when he was a kid and he, his ankles were broken and they never set right. So he was crippled all his life. And they find him in this place called Lodi Bar, which is kind of a place that you don't go out at night. You don't, you know, you lock your windows and doors. Here he was in Lodi Bar and the king's men come find him, carry him to the king's tables. There he sees King David and he says, what have you to do with this dead dog? Right. So I can relate with that. Like I told you earlier, you know, when I first encountered the Holy Spirit in the, in the presence of God, I broke down because I felt like a dead dog in the presence of the king. You know, and David said, all the days of your life, you'll eat with me. And so they. They dressed up Mephibosheth and sat him at the king's table. And there he sat with all the king's men. And if you looked around, he looked from the waist up just like everybody else. You'd never know that he was crippled because the table covered his brokenness. And so that message is so powerful that the, 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 that's the gospel, right? That's the good news. That's the blood of Christ covering our brokenness um, that we don't see it anymore. You know, and I think that song really captures this idea. And so we were like, you know, we got to get this. It's such a powerful, our, our hearts are always the message. So the message is going to fit first. So if it connects with us, if it rings with us, that's the kind that then we want to put that out. You know, if, if, if it's something that's connecting with people, cause we're in front of a lot, like we said, we do over 150 dates a year. We're in front of a lot of people and we see a lot of the church. And so we get a feel for what's working and what's, what's touching people. And that song, although written a long time ago, it's awesome. It's a real powerful song. You know, we all want to feel like we're, we're having an impact, especially if, if we're sacrificing our time and our energy for the kingdom, as, as we all want to do at some level. When you think back at your time on the road and your time together on the road, what are one or two significant moments that you've had with your fans or with each, each other that says, you know, this is, this is worth it. Thank you, God, for putting me in this place. One of the most special moments was a time that we were invited over uh, to the Bahamas, actually. <laughs> and it was because, not because it was like, you know, the Bahamas, because it wasn't, it definitely wasn't that kind of trip. Uh, but we were invited to minister not only through churches and, and share music that way, but to schools. And so it was public schools it, they, over there. Uh, it's not taboo, I guess, to be a Christian and to you know, bring the gospel in public schools, they actually invite it. When we found this out and we were asked to come, we said, yes, absolutely, we'll come. We were able to do this little circuit of public high schools, middle schools, and elementary schools on the islands. And just to be able to be in front of all those kids and to be able to share music, but also share our testimonies, to be able to tell them about the love of God and to hear them sing those words back and hear them worship with us and to pray with them and, and just interact with them afterwards and hear their uh, response and what's going on in their lives and asking them to pray for us and stuff. It was just or asking us to pray for them. It was just amazing. For me, that was just really special. We have this opportunity to impact all these kids and they might not get that any other time in their lives. Who knows? To be able to go into these islands, into areas where, you know, they're not very wealthy and they don't have a lot. It was very special. Brittany has a song called Surrender. There's one moment where she was singing, I don't know, maybe like a thousand kids. There's a ton of kids. And just hear them. She said, okay, now you sing it. And they all just singing it. I mean, singing it. You know, I mean, sometimes you have people singing. 
these kids were sh- like r- really singing like and it was it filled the place and it was just and um, just glorifying god and it, it really is a humbling thing when you see the heart of a child is just so pure that was an amazing moment i would agree with her the other one for me was we did savior our musical for about 8000 people um on an easter sunday in orlando florida both in english and in spanish we did it three times and so the the, the cumulative was about 8000 and we saw the, the the most amazing altar calls and, and i think the number was over 400 people come to christ uh, wow. through those events that day so i mean that that was so humbling because for one, that major alt, the, the last time we did it, it was it was a huge altar call, and it was probably over 300 on that one altar call. And it was when they did it in they did it in Spanish. So I don't sing in Spanish. I could play the guitar in Spanish, but I don't <laughs> sing in Spanish. So yeah, my joke. But but seeing the whole team put it on, and it was a whole team. It was actors, and there was like a huge band and all that kind of thing. Um, seeing them put it on and seeing the response from people and realizing I had very little to do with this. And yeah, and it was broadcast to Puerto Rico yeah. and all. Mm. But I'll tell you, that is a humbling thing because you, you realize like these, like I said, that was the very first thing I ever wrote as a Christian. And then seeing God bring it all the way back, using it like he did to bring people to him. It's like, man, what he can do with so little, you know, our little, you know, our, our, our little offerings, our little gifts that we give him he's able to multiply and use for his glory and for his kingdom. So that to me was, I mean, so humbling. And, you know, you, you, you see stuff like that and you say, God, how did this happen? You know, I mean, he's just so good. So that was for me. Those moments are so important to recognize in our Christian walk, to give us the energy and to give us the boost and to just, just sit in those moments and, and take it in and recognize that this is an important time right now where God's at work and just to sit and watch God do his thing. People say, you know, how do you know your faith is real? How do you know God is real? How do you know? It's like, I've seen so many things. I would have to be a moron to deny it. You know, <laughs> I mean, it really would. I mean, right, I just right. seen too much. God, exactly. I, I, God interacting with the heart of man, a changed life. You cannot fake, right. you know, I mean, otherwise, you know, this, I would have left the Lord a long time ago if this wasn't real, you know, um, but he's pulled me out of so much and brought me back when I try to, my flesh tries to do its own thing. Just seeing God interact with people, you can't change your heart, you know, who can change our hearts, you know what I mean? It's deceptively, it's deceitfully wicked beyond all things who can know it. That's what the Bible says, right? So, but God gives us a heart of flesh again, you know, he changes the heart of man. And that's far different than any program or any brainwashing or anything, anything can do. So um, I think that's the the modern day miracle. I think that's the witness that we see that keeps us going. Yeah. And honestly, it it really does infuse us. I mean, as much as we go out and we're ministering to people constantly, we always say like as soon as it's over and we get back in the RV and, you know, we kind of we kind of hash out what happened and we talk when we're driving or whatever. It's amazing how much those times actually minister to us as well, because we're able to see God move in other people's lives. I think it really speaks to just what he's able to do with with a surrendered life. And like Jonathan said, there's nothing special necessarily about us or or any other artist or traveling minister. It's we're just surrendered and we're available. That'd be an encouragement for for any believer. 
what you're able to give God, he's able to do so much more than what you could ever imagine. And so it really is just uh, energizing and exciting. And it fuels you when you're able to see God use you and touch people. And I always say we always want the, the highest return of our investment of our time, our talent, our energy for the kingdom of God, the ROI, right? The return on our investment. We want the greatest impact. I mean, there's a the movie Schindler, Schindler's List. At the end of the movie, Oscar Schindler says he realizes what he did. He realized that he saved so many people. But then there's this reality that sets in on him that says, I could have done more. And he looks at his watch and he says, this watch, I could have bought five people with this watch. And, and this time, this Titanic, all these different things that he kept as like little, you know, he could have done more. And although that's not exactly what, you know, the guilt of that isn't exactly what fuels us, but the idea of, yeah, while we're in this life, while this time goes on, we want to do the most we can for the kingdom of God. So at the end of the day, we have the greatest return of our time, our talent, our energy for the kingdom. The movie Hacksaw Ridge, he keeps saying, and this is a true story. He keeps saying, God, just give me the, give me the energy. Give me one more. Help me find one more. Just one more. I think to myself when, when we're doing God's work, sometimes we can just go as far as we can see. And when we get there, we'll see further. We're with the Cashmans, Jonathan and Brittany. Guys, your energy is infectious. It's really fun to talk to you guys. Congratulations. Really congratulations on this debut project. What is your favorite piece off this project? My favorite song is a song on there called Home almost didn't make it onto the album. It was the very last one written. We were already in the studio at this point, wrapping up the album, so to speak. At this point in our lives, Jonathan and I were still living in Orlando and we were selling our house and moving uh, back to Nashville. We lived there previously. It was one of those moves where it was a bit of a faith move. We were just kind of, our lives, there was a lot of transition going on in our lives. and, And I just remember putting the for sale sign in the front yard of the house and walking inside. For me personally, I grew up moving around a lot. Wonderful family, but you know, I was a product of divorce. So my parents got divorced when I was very young and uh, you know, it was a, a custody split between my brothers and I. And so I grew up kind of away from my brothers, away from my dad, um, and and moving a lot. Uh, a lot of change schools, a lot of of, you know, things like that happening. And so for me, moving wasn't always a great thing or a secure thing in my life. Something that the Lord's been kind of dealing with me personally and my faith is, you know, trusting in Him, no matter what the circumstances going on in my life, uh, no matter my personal status or or uh, security or anything like that, to be able to look to Him and to trust Him. And it and so He's grown me in this way. But we put the for sale sign in the front yard. I just kind of remember like a flood of emotions coming over me and I walked inside and, and I kind of had a moment where I was kind of sad and I was crying and sitting at the piano and just kind of crying out to the Lord. As I did, I felt like he, he really just stopped me in my tracks and he spoke to my heart. And uh, he said, in the shelter of my presence, you're home. In the shelter of my presence, you're home. That really just meant the world to me because it was that perfect you know, loving, timely reminder from my father that, you know, don't worry about anything. Don't worry about the future. Don't worry about change. Don't worry about provision. Don't worry. Just know that 
in the shelter, my presence, your home, you're safe. You know, like I think about the word home, what does that identify in our lives? It, it represents safety. It represents a belonging and, and knowing that you're accepted, knowing that you're loved, uh, you know, security. And those are the things that we have in the Lord. Those are things that, you know, we have in Christ that nobody can take away from us. And so, you know, when I share the song with people, I find it really connects with a lot of us because whether you, you know, never moved in your life or, you know, you grew up in a broken home or not, or whatever situation you have in your home life, I think we can relate to that fact that in Christ, there's shelter. In Christ, there's strength and there's um, security and there's comfort. Our, our, our security is not in where we live, the four walls, you know, around us, what we have or what we don't have, but it's in the shelter of his presence that we're home. That just really resonated with me. And I ended up writing the song kind of very quickly in that moment. It's just been one that's not only impacted me as I sing it and kind of reminded of, of what he shared with me, but it's it's been able to resonate with other people too. my young young 20s we were coming back from a concert and um we saw a, a, a car tipped up, upside down i was with my, my drummer and a couple of girls from this concert and we pulled over and saw this accident and there was this kid lying on the side of the highway like a chalk outline you know and so apparently this suv flipped over he was sitting in the back seat the kid flew through the windshield and he was dead and so out we were the first one on the scenes and I, I remember kneeling down and trying to feel for a pulse in this this young guy and I didn't know who he was. And I stood up and I turned to my drummer because it was it was a friend of his who was driving and so he recognized the car and that's why we pulled over. And so I said to my drummer Brian, I said, He's he's dead, Brian. And uh, I remember, you know, his face very, you know, distinctly looking down and he said he remembers seeing his sneakers and he recognized this was a kid that he grew up with. Mm. And he was saying, no, no, that's Scott. No, that's Scott. And watching all this transpire over the next few days, we went to the hospital, we saw his parents. His parents were obviously distraught and they were saying, you know, just learn something from this. And then when I went to the funeral, I didn't know this young guy, but the priest was saying, you know, Scott experienced God in the mountains when he hiked and he experienced God when he was, you know, when he surfed. And I remember thinking to myself, this is a good kid. They wouldn't say that about me at my funeral. And if they did, they would be lying, mm. you know, because I didn't experience God at all. And I wanted to. And I remember driving away from that funeral thinking, I've got to change something in my life. Once I found that peace in Christ, I realized there wasn't anything else that was greater in this world than him. How about you, Brittany? How did you come to believe in Jesus Christ? So my story is 
was quite different. Um, I grew up uh, with a dad who's Jewish, and my mom was kind of raised uh, Baptist, but found Christ, you know, for herself personally later on in life uh, after they were married. And so, uh, me and my two brothers, we grew up with that kind of both faith, uh, both faiths being exposed to us, but not in a in a really uh, personal way, I would say. Um, so we would celebrate all the holidays. We had Hanukkah and Christmas and Easter and Passover and Yom Kippur and Rosh Hashanah and um, I kind of jokingly say if it was on the calendar, we probably were celebrating it in our house. <laughs> so it was a lot. Um, and like I said, I have a great family. And so it was, I was exposed to that side of, of the faith, uh, the holidays and the celebrations and, you know, occasionally church, occasionally temple, but, but nothing regular. And, and for me, I was, I was just, you know, I was lost. I didn't understand the gospel and, and uh, I really wasn't exposed to to it in a very personal way. Um, and so it wasn't until I was, uh, I was 13 years old, like I mentioned earlier, my my uh, my parents got divorced and my mom actually got custody of me. My dad got custody of my two younger brothers. And uh, we were living outside of DC at the time. And uh, she moved me up to Massachusetts. She got remarried um, pretty quickly. And so within a very short amount of time, I found myself in a new state uh, you know, in a, in a new area. And um, she enrolled me, which I'm so thankful for. My mom and stepdad enrolled me into an Assemblies of God Christian private school. And so this was, you know, again, I was a girl at the time who had never really grown up in church, never been around Christian culture. So this was definitely a culture shock for me, but it was the grace of God in my life. The first week of school, they had a retreat where, you know, I was in middle school at the time. It was a whole middle school and high school that would go uh, to this retreat. And the first night we had a chapel service. It was my first time really ever being in a, in a worship environment. Uh, so I had no idea what to expect. And I just remember um, at some point during, during the music and during worship, I just felt the presence of God so strongly. And it just really came over me and in a very powerful way. And I just began weeping. And I just remember it was like this overwhelming kind of wave of, of love and joy and peace. My hands very naturally just kind of lifted. And, and at that time, you know, no one ever showed me or told me, you know, I was just raising hands in church. It wasn't, it wasn't like that. It was just this very natural, uh, instinctive response to what I was experiencing in his presence, almost like a, like a child that just lifts their hands and says, you know, dad, I need you. That was, that was what I was doing. He just really kind of revealed himself to me that night and his love and his power and, and his peace. And I left the chapel that night, just feeling so light and feeling um, so at peace, uh, so loved. And I, I couldn't, at that point in my life, I couldn't tell you a single thing about the Bible. I couldn't tell you, um, you know, anything even real, probably about the gospel itself. It was just, I knew that God is real. I knew that he was my father and I knew that he loved me. And at that point, that, that was really all I needed to know. From there, it was, you know, really my school, my teachers, uh, the pastors that were on staff at my school that um, really discipled me. They really taught me the word of God. You know, I had the support of my mom and my, and my stepdad who were uh, you know, love the Lord too at that time. And so it was just kind of like a surrounding me of people that were able to pour into my life. It was kind of a radical time. I was coming out of a lot of stuff and, and dealing with a lot internally. So it was definitely a radical uh, changed heart and changed life.
And yeah, he just, he made himself very real to me. You both had pretty significant conversion, surrender experiences to come to Jesus Christ. So since then, you kind of grew up uh, in, in your faith and, and you started working for the Lord and you started evangelizing and working in his kingdom. Have you ever had a time, either one of you, where even through all of that, that you doubted your faith or even the existence of God? We both came to Christ so radically and we're dealing with so much at the time, both different, but, but dealing with a lot that he really, he really changed us and delivered us. And so I think right from the start, there was just this undeniable miracle that happened within us that it's kind of hard to deny God after something like that happens in your life. And then going from there, I think being as active as we've been in the ministry you're just surrounded. Yeah, you're surrounded by like all that God's doing in other people's lives too. And then he's constantly doing things in our lives still. You know, it didn't end there. It was, it's an ongoing, uh, you know, kind of manifestation of, of his glory and his power working around you. So how do you, how do you deny that? You know, <laughs> I, I would say this doubt in the sense of like doubt how present he is or doubt like how, how effective you're being or how, uh, there's other yeah. doubts. Mm, oh yeah. His yeah. existence. No, but definitely doubting. Like, is he working in this or, or where is, you know, Lord, where are you in this? Yeah. Am I doing well, this right? God? Yeah. Yeah. Am I doing, <laughs> yeah. should I be doing the right thing? Direction right, yeah. for sure. Yeah. yeah. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and sometimes you do feel a little like a kite in the wind, you know, and, um, but God always has this, these little demarcation points for us that, 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 show us we're on the right path or it shows up in our hearts and our lives. I mean, just this Sunday, we go to this church called the belonging downtown and, um, it was an amazing moment in, in the Lord for me. And, you know, weeks prior, Brittany had an experience with Christ and just him speaking to us on a regular basis, you know, and I don't mean like audibly from the clouds, but I'm just saying him speaking to our hearts and just reassuring us and comforting us and, and kind of bringing that sort of salve to our, troubled hearts sometimes you know i think that's all you need you know to realize he is with us he is here i am a child of god i am in his hands he you know what i mean those kinds of doubts creep in but uh, god has a way of reassuring us for sure finally as we wrap up what would you say to that person that maybe hasn't given their life to god yet or or is seeking their way back to god uh maybe i had a similar experience growing up as you two from divorced families and in a little bit of a uh, troubled early life. What would you say to that person that is right on faith's edge, making that choice to believe or not to believe in God? Yeah, I would say take a step, you know, take a step towards them. I feel like if we just take that, all it takes is just that turnaround, you know, and that step towards them and trusting him. You know, I think sometimes there's a difference between blind faith and a sense of, okay, if this is real, I'm going to go towards him and letting, letting go. But I think repentance comes first. You know, I think it really does start with repentance. We ha- we realize the cross and what the cross means. And I think everything starts at the cross and we have to come to the cross and then realize that Christ dying for our sins means that he's adopted us in as children of God, but he's nailed our guilt, our shame, our sin to that cross so that we can have our life in him. You know, those things that old way has to die. And I think sometimes we have a, some people try a half-hearted 
you know, I'll try this, but I want to keep one foot in the world. I want to keep one foot towards him. So that's really not taking a step towards him. That's being timid. And I would say be unabashed. You know, he has never, ever uh, let me down. And I, and I know for sure that if you turn towards him and turn away from your life of sin or your life of selfishness or your life of just you consume, you know, you being the center of your world and you turned and realize that Christ is the center of your world and he is everything that you find your life in him. You know, we find our life when we lose ours. You know, just to be able to, to surrender, it means, you know, just looking to, to God being honest. I think there's, there's something really beautiful about just being able to be honest with the Lord, being able to be honest with even your doubt. If you have questions, he knows you, he made you, he created you, he loves you. Uh, He knows exactly where you are and there's no surprises with him. And so just be able to turn to him, share your heart and where you are and give him your doubts, give him your fears, give him your, your questions, you know, give him, Give him, give him everything. That's what it means to surrender. And when you do that, you say, God, here's, here's where I'm at. You're real. Expose yourself to me. If, you know, whatever it is that maybe you're timid about at this moment, just be able to give it to him and open your heart up to the possibility of him intervening in your life and all that that means. And when you do, and you're, you're truly surrendered, he is able to do amazing things. In, in a way that only he can. Uh, and, and you certainly will not regret it. There's a song on this record that I wrote called Children of God, and it really does speak to our identity, that we're not mistakes. And it's taken from the first chapter of John. He's the living word, but he came to dwelt and dwelt among men, came into his own, but his own didn't receive him. But those that did, he gave them the power to be called children of God. And I think when we know who we are, then we know what we're to do. You know, when we know who we are, then we get, our purpose in life. And that identity, I think people think that they're this or that, or they ha- they find their identity in, in numerous areas and places. I identified myself with that hard rock, you know, you know, that kind of identity as a young kid. And I thought I was a certain way. And when I met Christ, he changed that. And, re- and, and I think realizing who you really are is so important that you're a child of God, you're loved, and that he has a plan and a purpose to you. He's wired a specific way for that reason. And that comes through the gospel, comes through knowing Christ. And when you know him, then you know who you are as his child. And I, I think that's that's everything, you know, because identity, it has to start with identity. And we find our identity in him. I don't think we can say anything more than that. We are with Jonathan and Brittany Cashman, the Cashmans, <laughs> and about their debut album. City of God. What a great project, guys. I really appreciate this conversation. Thank you so much for hanging out Absolutely. with us. Absolutely. Thank you, Thanks, Joe. We really appreciate it. God bless you both. God bless you. You can follow the Cashmans on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram. And their website is thecashmans.org. And of course, the Cashmans can be found on Amazon.com. These links, as, as well as all the other links, can be found in today's show notes at onfaithsedge.com slash 127. That's onfaithsedge.com slash 127. I love bringing you these engaging conversations about faith. If this show entertained you, encouraged you, informed you, or brought value to your life in any way whatsoever, will you consider using any Amazon link at onfaithsedge.com? 
We'll get a modest commission from the purchase, but it won't cost you a penny more. Well, that'll wrap up today's show. Thank you so much to the Cashmans, Jonathan and Brittany. I'm excited about this project for you, and it is fantastic. And especially, thank you for listening. You mean a lot to me, and you mean a lot to this show. Remember, God is real. He loves you, and so do I. God bless. Thank you for listening to On Faith's Edge. You can subscribe to the show via iTunes, Stitcher Internet Radio, or your favorite podcast app on Android, Apple, or Windows devices. To reach out to Joe or leave comments about the show, visit onfaithsedge.com. You're important to us, and we would love to hear from you. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.